strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. So, Jen. Yes, ma'am. Picture this. Yes. The year is 1945. Okay. Two men by the names of Captain Robert Posey and Private First Class Lincoln Kirstein are walking around in the dark with the light only lit from their lanterns. They walk through a small gap in rubble blocking an ancient salt mine at Alto Sea, located high in the Austrian Alps during a time when World War II drew to a close. They walked past one side chamber in the cool, damp air and entered a second one, the flames of their lanterns still guiding their way. All right, so we're in a cave. Salt mine. In the mountains. We're in, we're in a salt mine, a cavernous salt mine in the Austrian Alps post-World War II. Yes. Two dudes. Two dudes. Lantern light. Mm-hmm. In my head, I see like salt crystals. Okay. Very cool. I'm Very ready. Cool. Okay. Okay. Then they see it. Resting on empty cardboard boxes that are about a foot off the ground are eight panels of the Adoration of the Lamb by Jan van Eyck, which is considered one of the masterpieces of 15th century European art. In another panel, the Virgin Mary, shown wearing a crown of flowers, sits in front of them reading a book. Private First Class wrote, The miraculous jewels of the crowned virgin seem to attract the light from our flickering lamps. Calm and beautiful, the altarpiece was quite simply there. Both Posey and Kirstein were two members of the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives section of the Allies, a small corps of mostly middle-aged men and a few women who interrupted careers as historians, architects, museum curators, and professors to mitigate combat damage with no experience in war. Yet, they worked tirelessly through covert and highly dangerous missions to retrieve millions of priceless relics stolen by the Nazis. This is a story... Of the Monuments Men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a movie, correct? Mm-hmm. George Clooney? Yeah. George Clooney. Yeah. The Clooney. There we go. From 1943 to 1945, a civilian task force of 345 allied academics known as the Monuments Men managed to save 5 million cultural relics. During World War II, countless artifacts, paintings, and sculptures from European history's most prominent creators were seized by the Nazis. Fortunately, many of those stolen works, which are worth billions of dollars, were recovered through the courageous efforts of a civilian military unit known as the Monuments Men. So let's start at the beginning, right? Chaos and destruction blazed throughout Europe around September 1st of 1939 as Nazi Germany invaded Poland. And they stole everything. Everywhere they went, they stole anything that was worth anything, culturally, artistically, financially, spiritually. France and the United Kingdom declared war on Germany as the Nazis efficiently plundered every inch of Europe. By 1941, the continent was largely under the control of Germany and its allies, Italy and Japan. Among the dead, destroyed, and the deported were precious artworks and historical artifacts. Bombings had destroyed museums, galleries, and even the rightful owners of these historical pieces that the Nazis did not hesitate to loot and steal. Before he became the dictatorial leader of Germany, Adolf Hitler was an aspiring artist. Though he was rejected from an art school as a young man, he continued to admire art and to paint on his own. He wanted to build a private museum 
Paul de Fura Museum to house the world's most valuable works of art in his hometown of Linz, Austria. So confident about building a renowned art collection that he listed this museum, which wasn't even formed yet, as the heir to his own artworks in the event of his death. <laughs> as World War II raged on, Hitler's commanding generals began to steal art in masses. They formed the ERR, an outfit that was explicitly tasked with the systematic looting of art and cultural artifacts across Europe. Dicks. A Parisian museum was designated as a central storage unit for all the treasures that the Nazis plundered. But the Nazis also hid their loot and salt mines across Germany and Austria. Who knew? Their precious cargo included works by masters Rembrandt, Picasso, Maltese, Van Gogh, and countless others. The collection even included famed works of art like Michelangelo's sculpture Madonna and Child. They were all pillaged from the city museums, public galleries, and private collections. A man named Hermann Göring, Hitler's right-hand man, visited the museum in Paris 20 times to shop for the masterpieces he desired the most. He would end up taking two railroad cars full of art just for himself. Yeah, Göring was a special kind of dick in a lot of ways. And he got away with it because he's just like, oh, I'm doing what you took. I'm part of ERR. I found these glorious but then he just ended up taking for himself i forget what happens to him in the end so but yeah i think he i think he dies so he didn't get away with it for long so here's where the monuments men come in in order to protect cultural artifacts from the ravages of the war a special task force was formed called the monuments fine arts and archives section the mfaa of the allied expeditionary forces Nicknamed the Monuments Men, the unit was responsible for protecting cultural relics like churches and museums, assessing damaged art inside demolished cities, and initiating restoration projects. This was the first time in history that the brigade was arranged with a specific aim to protect the world's art. The Monuments Men were not trained soldiers. They were art curators, collectors, professors, and historians, almost all volunteers, who committed their lives to recovery of Europe's artwork. Initially, the Monuments Men were tasked with assisting combat troops in protecting churches, museums, and cultural artifacts from damage and allied attacks. It was a mission made by General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who, in the lead-up to D-Day in 1944, ordered his commanders to safeguard historical monuments and culture centers, which symbolized to the world all that we are fighting to preserve. As the Allies advanced across Europe and the Third Reich crumbled, the Monuments Men increasingly focused on the rescue and recovery of the art and artifacts looted by the Nazis or preventing the capture in the first place. One of their biggest successes was keeping the Mona Lisa from falling into Nazis' hands by expertly hiding it across various homes in the French countryside. Huh. A man named Sergeant Harry Etlinger said, We were charged with much more than we can encompass. We had no trucks, no jeeps, nothing but our shoes, and no support of any kind from officialdom. Charles Parkhurst, deputy chief of the Monuments Men, had explained their mission as, there was lots of German art hidden where they thought it would be safe during the fighting, and it was our duty to search, to find, and to save. Among the group's most notable members was Rose Valland, an art curator and the only member of staff at the, at the Parisian Museum that the Nazis kept on after they took it over. The Nazis were unaware that Valland was fluent in German and that she eavesdropped on them. She then passed along their plans to the French resistance. She also worked closely with the Monuments Men to identify artwork stolen from France. Another valuable member of the Monuments Men was George Stout, 
a World War I veteran and Harvard art conservator who pioneered new techniques of conservation. George joined the Monuments Men in December of 1944 and was involved in one of the biggest operations they performed, the Art Rescue at Alto C. Between 1943 and 1945, the Nazis stored their extensive collection of stolen art in a network of mines across Germany and Austria, like I said, but that includes the Alto C, Merkers, and Siegen. Those were all the mines. The Allied forces caught wind of the artifacts on a tip dropped by a German soldier who had worked under Goring while transporting stolen art to the mines. At any point, did you figure out why they chose salt mines to store the stolen yeah, art? Yeah, I'm going to get to it. Okay. Because yep, I was yep. like, I'm thinking about like how we can go to like the salt caves and stuff like that and like what it does for our bodies. So, so I'm wondering. Yeah. So temperature conditions in the mines were consistently between 40 and 47 degrees Fahrenheit with a 65% humidity, making them the perfect environment in which to hide the valuable art. And I saw this and I remembered your um, story that you did about the mummies that were yeah. found in, um, in a basement or some type of cave or tunnel yeah. that was there for centuries. And the reason why it stayed there was because it was cool and it was damp and it was dark and it was the perfect outlet for any type of thing that you need to preserve. Perfect climate control. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, it's a dick move to steal the stuff, but at least they didn't destroy it. He did. They did actually preserve it, which is, I guess, to some credit, as much as you can ever give the Nazi regime any credit for anything. I mean, I think I hate to even do that, but like at least... There's that. Yeah. I mean, there was the big hole that they shipped to all these mines, but then there's all these little tiny things or those two railroad train cars that the other people would steal without anyone really knowing. And who knows whatever happened to them? Who knows what conditions they were? How well, how well did they take care of it? You know, how long did they travel with it for? Was it in the right place? To, you know, so it's like they, they can travel with it. But by the time it gets to the destination, it might probably ruined, you know, by scraped or something spilt on it or something, you know. Well, I'm hoping they're not just like spilling beer on it, you know. Unless like, I wouldn't be Fingers surprised. crossed, Robin. Fingers crossed. I have no faith. I'm literally looking at, like, a coffee stain on a door. In Europe in May of 1945, the work of the Monuments Men was only beginning. Europe may have been liberated, but its cultural treasures were still missing in action. Within weeks, the full extent of the Nazi plunder materialized. Across the continent, the Monuments Men discovered loot hidden deep inside these salt mines, but also packed inside crates in abandoned buildings and even stored away in hilltop castles. It took six weeks for them to empty Germany's Neuschwanstein Castle, the fairy tale structure that served as a model for Sleeping Beauty's castle at Disneyland, of all of its hidden treasures that had been plundered from France. In the Microsalt mine alone, U.S. officials found 30 miles of galleries and over 1 billion euros in Nazi gold. Wow. In the Alto Sea mine were at least 6,577 paintings. 2,300 drawings, 954 prints, and 137 sculptures. Among these were Michelangelo's sculpture, Madonna and Child, and Jan van Eyck's The Adoration of the Lamb, which is what I said in the beginning of this uh, episode. I just would like to think about a castle that is jam-packed with art. Just a fairy tale castle full of art. Uh, do you know... Um, 
do you know on, on your computer that are on a computer when you buy it, you can choose like a background for your right if you choose like landscapes and everything i think this castle is one of the ones that you get to choose from it's one of those ones that are just high in in, in the mountains yeah it's a germany castle imagine that castle which was the inspiration for disneyland's you know what was it sleeping beauty yeah, yeah, Sleeping Beauty's castle, but it's so notorious that people have it on their computers to put on as backdrop on their laptops. Yeah, that was full with relics. It's just like, wow! It's like something so beautiful. You know, it's just it's amazing. It, it's like I think that I think a lot about museums and art and how much I love all of it. But then to think about 30 miles. 30 miles in that, in that one salt mine alone. In Meekers, it was 30 miles. And that's not even – that's that place. And then there was so much more. Mm-hmm. Just there's like a vastness to it that I don't think that I've ever really absorbed. In total, the Monuments Men recovered $3.5 billion worth of art from the Alto Sea salt mine alone. And is that three point five billion in nineteen forty five money? Yes. Wowzers. And that's not including the three the thirty miles of galleries in the Meeker salt mine. This is just the Alto Sea, which is uh, all the paintings that included um jeez. Every person that you can think of. Van Gogh, Maltese, Picasso. But also yeah. this was uh, the sculptures of Madonna and Child and also um, Jan van Eyck's adoration of the lamb despite the work of the monuments men through the end of the war there are still thousands of priceless pieces still missing today these historical artifacts were most likely destroyed in the war though some of them possibly remain hidden away Raphael's portrait of a young man painting estimated to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars is among the valuables still missing the work of the monuments men went nearly forgotten among mainstream consciousness until 2014's action comedy the monuments men that you said earlier, that was starred by George Clooney, Bill Murray, and Kate Blanchett. The movie received worldwide attention from the modern audiences, many of who were introduced to Monuments Men for the first time. Yeah, of course. I had never heard of them before, and even in college, majoring in history, ideally European history, with this heavy focus on World War II, I still had never heard of the Monuments Men until I saw that movie. I was doing research, and there was not much on it, so I didn't include it in, in discussion, but it's, it's, it'll be good to talk about. During this entire brigade of the Monuments Men, only two men perished. One of them was actually written, and there was an obituary, and he was from Oklahoma. And he died, unfortunately, he was actually, it was a raid, and they were trying to get the artwork, and he was shot by German soldiers trying to receive it. But he didn't just... He wasn't just shot. He jumped in front of someone that was trying to escape with, or one of the monuments men that was trying to run away and try to, like... So he took a bullet for a painting, essentially. Yes. That's that's exactly what I was trying to say. Do you know what I mean? I was like, like how, like, how am I going to put this in words? Because I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Like, he took he jumped a bullet in, for art. He jumped in front of someone that was running out of, out of a location, holding a painting and trying to run away with it. That's what I was trying to say. I was just... I'm just I was just getting very flustered. I was getting very flustered with it because it's not something I wanted to mess up, but it was also something I want, like, ugh. That's okay. Ugh. I mean, I think that... He jumped in front of someone. How many things am I that passionate about? Yeah. And... Nothing and is he, the answer. Nothing. He wasn't a soldier. 
he um he went to university out in Oklahoma. He actually went to Harvard. His obituary was very dedicated to how he sacrificed his life to go to Europe and to retrieve all arts, um, whether it was painting, sculptures, written, whatever it was, he wanted to retrieve it. But that was, and I couldn't, I couldn't find any information on the second one that perished. Out of all the monuments men, 300 plus. Only two perished. Only two perished. And, I mean, these are civilians, right? Civilians. So you have to think they're like civilians, they're in a war zone, and they're putting their lives on the line for art and cultural artifacts. They're not trained. Like you said, not just pieces of art and sculpture, also texts and documents, like they're there to ensure the history of these locations doesn't get completely taken away and destroyed. And to have a passion like that, that you're willing to take your actual physical body and put it between yourself and a Nazi soldier to save an artifact. a piece of an art, art yeah. or a document is, it's unfathomable yeah. to me, quite honestly, Jen in 2020 can't fathom that kind of passion and that kind of resolve i yeah i i don't think there's anything i would want to put my life in danger for to that level they weren't they weren't trained soldiers they didn't go they nothing i mean they went into world war ii they went in there and they you said in some cases they were protecting places so they're there protecting churches they're there protecting museums they are minimally trained at best i'm sure also don't don't forget they're also trying to salvage whatever is inside of bombed and really really destructive places so they're walking yeah, into so things that are they can crumble on them at any time absolutely any you know it's just one little tiny yeah. like blip and the whole wall will come down or a ceiling can fall down or a floor can fall down like whatever it was they're going in there to get whatever whatever they need to get and escape yeah, they're going into condemned structures. Yeah. I mean, thank you to them for those two for their sacrifice, for the other 298 or more for finding what they found. I mean, for me, I'm really hoping that I go on vacation in Germany and wander into a cave and find a multi-million dollar painting by Raphael. I think it's possible. So the Monuments Men are still around. In fact, there is a Monuments Men Foundation the website shows the heroes, the discoveries and returns, the archives, and also a join the hunt initiative. Countries that suffered from the Nazi plunder have created databases of the art still missing. While these databases provide invaluable information, a comprehensive cross-referencing database has never been created. The join the hunt lists are the first of their kind, providing the public with essential information about major works of art and documents missing since the war. The selection process involved extensive searches of international lost art databases focusing on works of art for which there was an image and which they believe survived the war. The Monuments Men Foundation has compiled thousands of documents, photos, and videos during its extensive research on these heroes. These records include 6,850 archived documents, including letters, diaries, and nearly 115,000 digital assets. The heart of this collection is more than 220 hours of video and audio assets, including interviews with 16 Monuments men and women, their family members, foreign civilians, 
museum directors and curators, and the chief interpreter and interrogator for the U.S. prosecution team at the Nuremberg Trials. The collection also includes over 1,600 books, transcripts, and rare publications, many that are out of print. In 2018, the Foundation transferred its extensive collection of materials and research to the National World War II Museum. In spite of the hard work of the Monuments Men, nearly 70 years after the fall of Nazi Germany, their mission is still far from over. Hundreds of thousands of stolen documents and artworks, including pieces of Monet, Van Gogh, Rodin, and Bacelli, still remain lost. The Monuments Men Foundation is continuing the search for the world's lost treasures, while also keeping alive the legacy of the unexpected band of war heroes that put their lives on the line for history, culture, and beauty. That is the story of the Monuments Men, just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.